thank you for joining the Walt Weekly. We are excited about our guest today, and he is Mr. Jeffrey Harris II. He's a cybersecurity expert, and I'm going to let him tell you all about it. But this show is about artificial intelligence, AI. Everybody's heard about it. It has tremendous implications for us, especially minority people. All right? We're the first fire and the last heart. So when you got this type of technology coming in, then it is, has tremendous implications for, you know, black and brown people. I mean, because it seems like, and this seems like to be the trend, that any new technology that comes out, it impacts us adversely. So before we proceed, I just wanted to, you know, let, let Jeffrey know where we're going with this, because this is very important. Jeffrey, with that said, could you tell us about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So first off, hey, thank you. Thank you all. Have a, a you know good afternoon. I appreciate you having me here. You stated that my name is uh, Jeff Harris. Uh, I've been in the cybersecurity industry for about 20 years now uh, through varying levels of complexity with the role. Uh, uh, and, and in that context as well, I've probably done everything within the IT space that you can kind of think of here. A situation where in, when something's new that's so revolutionary comes out, there's got to be some displacement. So, Jeffrey, as we were saying earlier, impact of AI is going to be. You know, it's, it's, it's very dependent. I know, you know, nowadays for anybody that's paying attention to it, a lot of the conversations are around probably more concern related to, you know, impact of jobs. Right. And, and kind of very specific jobs. And even in my industry. Right. Which is technology driven. You know, AI has proven and continues to prove to do what we really kind of call a lot of uh, low-value work, and I'll explain that a little bit later. Uh, but the reality is, I think it's with all things, right? AI can be considered just disruptive technology, but to that reality, you know, we can say that the cell phone was a disruptive technology, which they did at one time, say, the Internet. So I think the prime example that you can take from all of those different uh, situations is, you know, the individuals who learn how to capitalize on it and leverage it for their benefit, whether personally or professionally, they fared out, you know, pretty okay. And it's really going to be the same thing with AI. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, all technology is really nothing more than an enabler. Sometimes it's looked at as the solution to all things, but there's generally a business process that exists. We use it today. You know, if we looked at it in our kind of normal lives, right? We went from, and we still receive it today, we received the snail mail, you know, mail being mailed to our homes and our businesses. And then email came along and just made that a lot more efficient. It didn't remove the ability to, you know, get mail delivered to you personally. But again, it was that efficiency that it created to get things quicker and probably distribute out to a lot more people at a faster pace. That's literally what AI is allowing us to do as well. So when you kind of think about things in terms of impacts and jobs of that nature, um, you know, it's really going to require people to have an understanding how it impacts them personally um, um, within the job that it is that they do. And, and, and I don't want to say necessarily need to acquire certain types of skills, but if for some reason you're potentially in an industry that something like AI could completely replace you, right? Um, certain examples of that are like, you know, the automotive industry to where there's robots that are building things. But again, they're not building the entire car. They're really kind of uh, focusing on a portion of that. Um, it's understanding what are those things that it doesn't do that well. And that's potentially those skills individuals will pick up. Okay. Okay. How would you define artificial intelligence? There's so many ways. I'm going to say the simplest, lamest term way is really, is if you think about all the things that a human can do, 
right? Kind of more uh, uh, conceptually in the context of completing certain types of tasks, no matter what the task is. AI is the thing that really can um, replicate that and perform those same types of functions as well. So, you know, we gave the example of like the automotive industry, um, but, you know, there's things that we use every day that people don't think about, right? Like chat bots, right? If you go to a certain service and customer service and it responds to you, those chat bots are examples of, of AI actually. Robots, and really yeah. all that they're doing, right, is, you know, through some very kind of defined parameters, is, is able to provide you responses on very specific questions. And, you know, if it doesn't have the ability to do that, you know, that's when a human is generally kind of getting involved uh, to assist you there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just the ability to replicate tasks that a human can normally do. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that they are using AI every day. When they yeah. ask, ask Siri, I hope mine doesn't go off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got Siri, you got, uh, you know, uh, a few other ones, uh, personal assistants that you use. So how do you think in terms of IT, in terms of jobs. You guys spoken a little bit about jobs yeah. and the displacement of people. But do you think this is going to have such a, a like an earthquake-type uh, effect on the job market? That's what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to a little bit what I said, and I'll definitely expound upon that, I, I, I don't think so. And, and again, it's just, it's, you know, we can really kind of pick any industry. We can take technology out of it. Every industry has evolved to some extent right to where things are being done a certain way even if it's still involving people it's being right. done a different way so maybe there was a task that used to require 10 people and now they can do it with three people um, really that's what you're going to see and kind of in my industry is used in so many kind of ways but i'll give you an example um uh just just one of the things that i manage uh we call the security operations center and, and what they literally involves is you know depending on the size of the organization you know hundreds to thousands of assets, computers, phones, you name it, laptops um, that people are utilizing daily. And, and every time you use it, hit a key, right? It's creating some type of event. Um, so so those are user-driven events, but then there's also the events from what we call the bad people. People like to call them hackers, you know, mostly and stuff like that. And trying to get access to those things and their activity creates events. So those security operation centers Easily, and, and using mine as an example, we probably process on a 24-hour period about a good 5 million events, um, So, um, which can easily, uh, within a week's time, you know, result in hundreds of thousands of potential incidents that we are individually investigating. Where AI comes in in a scenario like that is, you know, again, with those defined parameters, I may say there are five steps involved and and detecting this activity to kind of fully resolving it, AI can help me with the first part. Maybe it's just the detection, right? To where it's then informing a human to perform certain tasks. Or maybe based off those certain parameters, it can not only detect, but provide some type of containment activity. That would be like the, you know, whatever's going on, stop it until we can really kind of figure out and further investigate it. So in those kind of examples, uh, you really want to utilize AI where it's good at, and and that's the challenge today, um, especially when you talk about you know even having the ability to really affect jobs. Um, AI is still, even though it's been around for a while, it's still a very immature type of technology. It's something that's still being learned, still figured out, and there's so many kind of different forms of AI. So depending on what it is that you're trying to do with it, is really going to determine the type of AI that you're trying to utilize. So yeah, I, I don't see any impact for jobs in any kind of near term. But again, I would say just like with anything else, when something comes along 
and it can provide value. That's ultimately what AI is going to be utilized for, is how does it provide value related to the things humans are already doing. And, and again, if you are, for some reason, w- within that line of a process to where AI can do your job, uh, I, I mean, I mean, it's really, you know, the, the honest response is, you know, you, you really want to kind of start looking at other types of uh, uh, skills that you can develop. So, um, you know, AI, for lack of a better, won't take your job. But, but again, it's timeline-wise, I don't even think that's a conversation we need to probably worry about for for at least another five to ten years, if that. Well, yeah, five to ten years will put us around twenty thirty, right? And yeah. and they're saying that by twenty thirty, it's going to have a, a tremendous effect on on jobs. All yeah, right? yeah. I mean that's out there, and you know you have these people like Sam Altman saying that okay, we're going to do a series of releases with ChatGPT. And, uh, you know, they, they started out with ChatGPT. I got ChatGPT 3, mm-hmm. right? They got Chat 4 out there now, all right? And I am utilizing it myself. You know, I go into, into ChatGPT and I say, okay, I want to know about this. I do It It has speeded up my research, mm-hmm. okay? Because it, you know, I used to take two, three hours or four hours or whatever time it is to research a particular topic. And I could go into ChatGPT and say, you know, I'm going to be doing a, a talk on, a, B, C, D, uh, and could you in, in five bullet points give me an overview of A, B, C, D? And yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. within seconds, sometimes less than a second, boom, I got it. I cut and paste it right into a Word document. I got my research. So I look at it, I make my modification, boom, and I'm gone. I saved three, four hours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a good point and kind of something to that, you know, relative to the point that we're talking about now is, you know, and it's not a thing you have to answer, but rhetorically, is how good always is the information you're getting into the response, right? And right. that's one of the things with technology in general. We use this term when we're we're in the end of technology space when you're talking about data of garbage in, garbage out, right? Absolutely. It's, it's with anything. I think you can apply that kind of mindset with any industry. So the thing is, is that, you know, even though things like chat GPT are very popular, not just in the technology space, but in the mainstream kind of user space personally and so on. Um, you know, if you really kind of look sometimes at the results it's giving you and you ask yourself, this is helpful, this was very fast, but did it actually provide me what I needed? Or is this kind of like a really good starting point for me to kind of build off of this? I use ChatGPT quite frequently when I'm kind of developing strategic things that I found in almost every single scenario is it really provides me a good starting point in terms of an outline with a lot of information I can leverage from, but it can never in any way cater directly to what it is I'm trying to do. And further to that point, um, there's there's a lot of issues and concerns, uh, you know, outside of the quality of the data of where is the data going when you're kind of asking these questions. So I can tell you when it comes to whether it's government organizations or private organizations, there, there's a significant concern about that. Uh, and you have lawyers almost everywhere that are really kind of putting the constraints down. You know, me, uh, my primary uh, field is in the uh, federal government. Uh, the White House has actually taken action to say, hey, everyone block, you know, artificial uh, intelligence technologies uh, because of some of those concerns I've mentioned and others. There's just a lot right. of things to really still figure out in that space. Okay. Now, we also... In our- I have a question, though, just to piggyback off of some stuff. Go ahead. How do you think that AI would be sufficient in schools. I kind of feel like AI would dumb down the children in the educational 
side of it? You know, it's is uh I, I mean I could I could take that and potentially respond with, you know, hey, how has the calculator kind of done the same thing, right? Potentially. Right. You know, with, with anything again, there there is the potential to over leverage or overextend anything and, and that's kind of where, you know, again, really understanding how this technology can be utilized. Um, and, and really only utilizing that way to really kind of benefit you is going to be key. Um, I can't say I have a direct example in schools, but, you know, one, um, you know, I would say from the administration side, and they've actually been doing this for a while, but AI is really helping it evolve, you know, when, when, when administrators and educators are checking papers or assignments for plagiarism. That's really a way you can kind of benefit there. Uh, and again, it's oh, okay. a detector, but there's still an element for that, that administrator or educator to perform a certain task. I think when it kind of comes to the student side, it absolutely can be really good in researching. But again, it's it's an efficient way of researching, but there still right. needs to be some type of guidance around of how do you validate those sources of information that you got from it. No different than, you know, right. if you did use Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, you want to find the best way to kind of validate those sources. If you could. Right. They don't have encyclopedias anymore like we had to go through, Walter, looking yeah, at these yeah. Books. Yeah, the Britannica. Yeah, Britannica. Yeah, I was there as well. Yeah, so AI, so you would think that AI would make it easier for them? To me, it's making the children lazy. You know, and again, that, I think that's really kind of comes down to the, the application of it. And again, I, you know, I hate to kind of keep repeating this, um, but with anything, right, there, there has to be proper controls around it. And that's really the challenge with any form of technology, right? right? When you put it out there, mm -hmm. People utilize it the best way they know how to, and sometimes it can benefit them, but in all honesty, sometimes it can get them in trouble in a certain type of way. Um, so so I think schools, as they look to use it, and I imagine they probably are using things like ChatGPT now, you know, they really got to kind of take the same steps that these uh, private and public uh, organizations are doing to say, what are the things we really want a lot to utilize, um, and, and how are we going to utilize it? And, and the really nice thing about that is once you get these kind of tools and stuff in place, it's not hard to limit or restrict how they're utilized. And that's just not saying only do A, B, and C or X, Y, Z. It's actually putting what we call like technical controls in place. So no matter what you wouldn't want to do, you may be only able to perform these three or four functions. And I think okay. that's really going to be the key. Actually, I had two comments, um, but one I want to kind of continue from the educational program, yep. uh, Michelle's educational question. Um, I was also concerned about AI as it relates to the schools. And it dawned on me because, you know, I have a 14 year old and from time, you know, she's an honor student. But time to time, I have a lot of Google hubs in every room in the house, um, yeah. different times. So when she generally those things that we would go to, let's just say in our generation, we'd go to the encyclopedia and look for or Wikipedia or you would go to the Internet to look for. She'll just yell to it and ask it the question. And yeah. in the beginning, I used to feel like she was cheating. And then it dawned on me. She's really doing the same thing that we did before. If we had a question, you go look for the encyclopedia, you go look for, to the library, you look for the information, and you find it, it just takes longer. They just now have the opportunity to do it in real time. So now maybe from our generation, it feels like they're doing a shortcut, but I had to really think about it. And I said, she's not doing anything differently. She's actually getting the information faster. So I think we probably should look at certain aspects of AI with regards to the benefits and speed and not really look at it as it's um, as, as they're cheating, because she, essentially she's doing the same exact task. She's researching the information. She's just asking technology the question and it's 
it's responding to her. So I that was something, go ahead. She's not doing the task. AI is doing it for her. She asks a yeah. question. She's not doing the research. She's not doing anything other than asking a question. So, so what I mean, me, the student is really not doing the work. That's what, so what I was I, referring to with AI. What I mean by that is think about it this way. If you are, if you want to research something, right, you're going to go look for that content. So you're going to go, you're going to physically go look for some material that has that information. Once you find that, inf that material, you're going to go ahead and research the information. You're going to read it, right? So think about it this way. You just go to AI, right? You ask the question. They are doing the physical, the logistics of looking through the various books, and then they're bringing back the information to you, and then you go through the information that they provide to see what suits your need. I think I, I, just, I just look at it as, as, as a little bit. It, it's cutting out the logistics of searching physically, um, because then you still have to ask different questions to get different sets of information. Yeah. So, so I, I think you probably hit on the most important part, you know, in the beginning when I asked the question, how do you define AI? And I really talked about the efficiency of it. You're, you're hundred percent correct. You know, and I think your analogy there with the encyclopedias is a really good one. And, you know, going to one of mine that I mentioned from a professional side, you know, if at the end of the day, you know, I can sit there and perform the same task. And I'm not talking about the individual task, the collective task, right? That that may take me, you know, whatever amount of time it is, and, and I can kind of shorten that and put out the same kind of product. And that's the key, right? It's all outcome driven. It's not about those five little six individual tasks. It's like, what is the outcome I'm trying to achieve? And in that case, it's whether it's writing a paper or something. The means that you go to do it, right, really should be, and when leveraging technology the most efficient way possible. And again, to your point, it doesn't mean that the person doesn't have to go and validate references and things of that nature. It's just, again, is they're leveraging the technology to help them get the insights that they need to perform the task and ultimately achieve the outcome they want to get. And, and again, going back to my example about that, that SOC element analyzing millions of events, um, again, that's something we call low-value work. I think going to the encyclopedia or whatever other references, that's also low-value work. Humans, and this is what AI really tried to promote in automation, is humans should really be focusing on the high-value work. What are the things that are critical uh, that a human's brain can perform better than any machine and allowing that brain to focus on those elements to where technology can, again, assist with those low-level kind of associated tasks? And I think we could all kind of agree to that. Again, I know the example here is education. But, you know, if someone was building a house and they were given a box of nails and a hammer versus a nail gun, you know, which one do you think they're going to pick up? And I think we can easily say they're going to pick the nail gun up. You know, it's almost kind of like, um, even though it's not, it's, it's a bit of technology driven, let's just think of the travel industry, right? Years for years, we had travel agents. If you wanted to go ahead and book your travel, your family, you go, I don't know, like you call someone and they, they do the work for you. Now, with access to all of the different travel agency sites, we're actually, instead of going to one person who's going to do everything for you and get back to you, it's actually a little bit reversed where we have access to the information so we can then go each and do each individual task. But it still allows people to expedite their process. I'm doing it myself. I'm not going through a travel agent, but I also have more control over, mm -hmm. um, over the selection. But so another question before um, before I go back on mute is another statement was I know just taking it back a little bit, we were talking about um, maybe not as much of a concern right now with regards to people losing their jobs to, due to chat. I've seen over, I want to say since the beginning of the month, I mean, the beginning of the year, 
a lot of companies have done some small level layoffs, a couple of hundred people. And then, but what they're saying is we're investing in AI technology <laughs> and we are restructuring, we're investing in AI and we are restructuring the way current roles are. And some people will also be laid off as a result of it. You have companies like Microsoft, Google, um, SAP, Duolingo, and, and a host of other companies. It's just the way they're phrasing it, but essentially it's very similar. It's, it's kind of like the same thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. There, there, there is a, a pro-con side to everything. And the example you just mentioned, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, right? Sometimes there's the political statements that no one will question, and there's things like that. Um, so you made a good one. Um, but yeah, there is a need, which kind of goes back to that workforce element. I think that if an organization does say, especially like those tech companies, that, hey, we really want to focus more on AI, it goes back to the skills part, right? It doesn't mean that those individuals aren't qualified and good at doing what they're doing. But if I'm moving in a direction to where it's like, hey, today I sell cakes, but tomorrow I want to sell pies. As long as the people that help me make cakes know how to make pies, we're still in a good situation. But if not, I have to invest in the right type of skills and labor to help me kind of meet my angle outcome. So, yeah, unfortunately, there will be a little bit of that. But again, understanding that and the good thing is these things don't happen overnight right especially with organizations like that but if there's anyone that's looking to really introduce ai in any technology it's going to take some time so it's really prudent for those individuals in those spaces to really just kind of stay aware and uh you know try, try to develop those skills okay i got a question here for you let's say i'm, I'm an undergrad i'm looking to go into technology and let's say I'm starting undergrad, for instance, or I'm, I'm mm -hmm. thinking about what career choice I should make within the technology space, right? What should they be doing now? I know you touched upon it briefly that, you know, you've got to look at what your other options are and things. Should that just be something that they should just say, okay, I, I know AI is out there. So if I major in this particular uh, uh, space within technology, mm -hmm. let's say cybersecurity or programming, programming is a good example. I'm going to major where I'm going to be a programmer, or I want to do programming all day, whether it be Java or whatever. What would you have to say to those people? That, that's a really good question. It's one I run across a lot through mentoring people and so on. Uh, so I'll, I'll preface it with this. You know, I mentioned I've been in this field 20 plus years, and every day I still have to learn something. I'm in a very senior executive level. And just because of how technology is constantly changing um, and new things are being introduced, you know, if I don't keep up with them, I'll be in kind of the same situation. So, the, so that's one part. Even early on, right, I would definitely advise them just in general is like be aware of the space that you're in and how it's changing. And the good thing, again, we, we, we have the Internet. Uh, you know, I'm really a firm believer that with the Internet, there's not a reason that you should know anything you want to know. Um, because there's this is so much information on the Internet for you to take advantage of any day in the week. But kind of more specific. It's like, hey, you know, yeah, someone's going through cybersecurity, and actually my oldest son is now. He just started college in it. It's, you know, um, you know, outside of leveraging resources on the Internet, it's like really helping them get an understanding of, uh, because sometimes even when we talk about cybersecurity IT, there's so many disciplines in it, have an understanding of where, where they're really trying to focus at. And then in the context of that, just let them know, again, this is how this is changing. This is what's hot now. A really good resource that I provide to people all the time it's like, hey, if you said you wanted to do cybersecurity, and I'll go back to my example, one of the disciplines, this security analysis kind of type stuff. 
um, go look on any kind of a job form, whether it's Indeed, Monster, you name it, and search for that position. And then look at all the jobs that are advertised. They're all going to say something a little different, but something's going to be key is when it gets into the sky skills, it's going to say someone with this, someone with this, and someone with this. And that's directly synonymous with saying, right, these are the things that are not just needed for our organization, but these are things needed in this space now. Because contrary to potentially popular belief, we're all using the same things. It could be a Fortune 500 organization or or a mom and pop or in our personal, you know, kind of home. Everyone's really kind of using the same types of technologies just at different scales. So that would probably be one of the main things that I would really encourage them to do. And um, I, I would definitely encourage them as well to have a mentor because, you know, especially when you talk about the technology space, but I think it applies anywhere. You know, there's so many resources out there to where people can get free mentors so they don't have to have a, a network of individuals yet or know the right people to where people can kind of guide them along the way. And, and there's so many other resources. I could probably spend all day talking about them, but I think they're really key when the first one I mentioned in terms of just gaining awareness of the field you're in and constantly, you know, just taking a look to see what are they asking for uh, so that you can really determine like, hey, is this something I feel I need to develop or be strong? I just want to just inform you that you are talking to two senior project managers slash program managers, uh, you know, with strong technology. Kena, uh, you know, he's a a technology senior project manager, program manager. I am a senior, senior project manager, program (laughs) manager, because I retired. I could be senior, senior, you know what I mean? I'm a senior citizen. I'm a senior technology guy. All right. So, you know, with that said, I remember... When uh, back in 2012 or 2013, 2013, I was working with a firm, uh, consulting firm, technology consulting firm. All right, let's say for instance we did a project. I'm got to, I'm not going to name the client, but they wanted to open a bank. They had uh, they were pension fund, uh, pension trustee per se, trust, and every month. You know, the teachers would get their pension, the retired teachers and stuff like that. They would get a, a, a payment, a monthly payment. So they were cutting checks every month, you know, or ACH payments, not actual checks. Mm-hmm. So they were cutting an ACH payment every month. So they decided that, okay, we, gotta, we want to open a bank, all right? And that bank, instead of these customers taking our money, taking their money, all right, because it's their retirement money, and going out and going to a bank and depositing this and that. Why don't we open a bank here? All right, within the firm. Okay. So we addressed that was the project. So, you know, we had to do that, you know, that uh, statement of work, all that yeah. kind of, all those deliverables that you have to do up front. Right. And then you come up with the cost. This is what it's going to cost you. So, but one thing, the reason I brought that up was they were talking back then of big data. Mm-hmm. Like they're talking about AI now. They were talking about big data now, all right? And the thing is, is that they started creating departments, moving people into a department that only dealt with big data, okay? And I thought, that, oh, what's big data, big data? Yeah, I mean, it's a database with everything, where you bring in these data scientists, and they call, they look at, their, they do analysis of the data, and this and that, and, they, and there was value in the data. Yeah. Now, that was the beginning of something that I, I, that I can equate with AI. That was the beginning. Now data is everything. Even football games. I mean everything that you everything is data. 
yeah. right? And how they utilize this data, okay? The utilization of data, all right? So I think the same thing applies to AI, but AI can take, look at the data and they can, it can do things with the data that the human mind cannot do, yeah. all right? They can do it in 10 years, wherein AI can do it in 10 seconds. Yeah. Because all information out there that of mankind is being used by these large language models, all right? Yeah. They're endemic to, to AI. All right, go ahead, Kina. Um, I think that, um, I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the Common Core Standards that were introduced maybe about 15 years ago in the education system. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know if you guys have ever been a parent trying to do math with them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I realized that, you know, while we had our standard way of learning, you know, math, um, and a lot of it was repetition and me memory, the way they break down some of the same problems is really specific to slicing and dicing data, slicing and dicing the numbers, looking at the different way the numbers add up, looking at the different data models. I think it was really them preparing the children um, for the future because we are moving into a big data and AI environment. I think that um, it's, it was really teaching them to be very analytical. Um, so I think that was probably a, a, a forerunner to, to what we're seeing today, to prepare the kids to be able to, you know, transition into these roles, the way they're teaching coding and certain things a lot earlier nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, they, it's, it's, not, it's not like when, you know, when we grew up, you, you learn whatever you're going to learn after high school and in college. They're starting to prepare the kids to have that mindset earlier on. I think you both related some really good points. One, at the end, say, hey, really like what you're saying and so on and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. He was like, do you have anything formatted or can you do something formatted that would talk to kids? And and ironically, I had a guy on my staff during this time, early middle school kind of frame, and he wanted to do something to go to, to his kid's school. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we put something together. So I was thinking he was talking about that, but no, he was talking about even younger. And even at that point, I kind of realized there was a lot of things out there tailored towards that. But but yeah, it, it all has to come together, right? You know, I don't think there was any time during our time growing up to where schools were trying to give you skills and whether it was cybersecurity or AI, but now it is a necessity. And again, when we talk about the internet and the explosion of that and, and just technology in general is generating so much data, someone has to make sense of it for whatever reason. You know, I've spent some time working in some of those three letter agencies that don't exist kind of type thing form some pretty interesting stuff. And, uh, you know, everything they do is analytical and is really focused on just taking massive amounts of information and always trying to find the needle in the haystack. Um, and, and to do that, you know, again, it goes back to that efficiency. It really doesn't matter how skilled an individual is or how many you have of them. Things like AI and, and, and other, you know, while you mentioned their kind of language models and things of that nature, um, they just have the ability to kind of really perform those tasks that I don't think we'll ever have the capacity to do, if not, if anyway, within at least our lifetime. So, so yeah, it is important that uh, those things exist and that there's a pipeline of individuals that can kind of support those things because the problem is only kind of going to get compounded. And, and you mentioned big data. Now we're having conversations about things like data warehouses and data lakes and uh, I'm literally doing the same thing right now because it's a problem that I have in my day-to-day. -day. I, I ingest so much information um, to where it's almost to the point things like the cloud came from. So, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a problem, and AI can help us.
All right, now you, you said, mentioned that the cloud can't handle it. I always thought of the cloud as somewhere where you just keep your data and, and, your, and, and your, you know, whatever your enterprise systems are. Just keep it up in the cloud and then retrieve it when you need it. Capacity and processing, right? You got it. You got it. And, and then, and I can carry out that a little bit to where I can say in some situations, while the cloud can handle it, your pockets may not be able to handle it. Uh, the cloud is one of those places where uh, if you just if you just look at a toggle switch, you know, it starts charging. But yeah, back to that capacity and, and the performance aspect, data that gets collected on a daily basis to where if I'm only looking at something maybe within the last two days or five days, it's not a big deal. But the second I may want to go a month, two months, three months, you know, the ability just to kind of pull that information back and present it in an intelligent format to where we can actually utilize it is very challenging. And, and that could just be with like certain types of data sets. You know, when you really kind of get into this big data problem, you're ingesting stuff that you would be surprised people even have an interest in. I can give you a quick example. Uh, uh, one of the things I did professionally was I, I built the uh, insider threat program for the Navy. And insider threat is basically the people you trust and you've given access to things someday for whatever reason they may turn on you. And in most examples you may see or, or may be aware of, these are people that are generally become spy. You know, in that context, it's not it's not enough to just, hey, let, let me understand what applications they're using and what they're doing on the computer. It's kind of like I, I have to know everything about this individual. So if they work at an organization to where there's a badging system that they, is how they get access in and every day, I need access to that. I need to know every place they traveled at professionally and personally. I need to know all of their contacts, their family, if they have any type of foreign contacts or relations like that. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on, like performance evaluation. So I can see if based off their performance and how often they're out sick, if that's some type of indicator that they're even going to go bad. And when you start kind of processing that level of information, it just gets so overwhelming. But then the most critical part is, okay, now I have it. I can store it. How do I make it all work together? Join us for part two of this episode on artificial intelligence and its impact on people of color. Very important stuff, guys. So join us next week as we do part two.